Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Hello guys, my name is Maud Garrett. I will be moderating. Pun <laughs> master Maud. I was born to do it, don't deny me that. My name is shit and this is the one thing that I can do. So I will moderate. Um, it's funny, thank you so much to Dylan as well for helping us out here at Skylight uh, Books. Uh, part of my bio that you didn't read out was my claim to fame is being Alicia Malone's best friend. <laughs> so that is why I have the privilege of interviewing her about this book. But uh, Alicia, I mean, all, obviously you're all here because you know her and you know what she's been about. Um, and she did a very, very daring thing. She decided to be a feminist <laughs> online in a very vocal capacity. Yes. And that is one of the most difficult things to do in this day and age because feminism is a dirty F word for some reason. Uh, so she's completely reclaiming that, uh, that word and everything that it stands for in another F word sense, and that is film. So this book is a, you know, a beautiful combination of the both, and I'm so glad that you took initiative and you copped a lot, yeah. but it is uh, for the greater good. So I'm gonna chat with you about this book, how it all came about, mm -hmm. some of the things that people can expect in it. The first thing is, Alicia Malone, why the hell did you want to write a book? <laughs> well, I think you know more than anyone that this has been a lifelong goal of mine. It was always on a bucket list and kept being transferred from year to year that one day I would write a book. And I remember going back and forth with ideas with you and starting and stopping so many times and doing so many different writing courses. And I always thought, well, one day I'll get to it. One day I'll, I'll get to the spot where I feel like I'm ready and I'm able to write a book. But I don't think you're ever ready, right? And I think the best way is just to chuck you in there. So uh, I was doing a class on book proposals because I thought, okay, I'm going to figure out how you actually pitch a book to film, a book to publishers. And I want to write a film book. And so I was doing a book proposal class and then I went into a bookstore and I saw a book written by Chris Stuckman, who's a YouTuber who we've worked with, many of us who are here today know. And I took a picture of the book and I said to him, my gosh, it's amazing. And one day, it's my secret dream, I don't tell too many people, but I'd love to write a book. And he said, well, you know, my publishers are always looking for people if you want me to put you forward. So I was like, okay. And then the funny thing was when they called me up and they'd watched a lot of my stuff and it came about a couple of months after that, um, they asked for a book proposal and I, I felt like I was just one class ahead of what I needed to do. So they were like, we need a query letter. I was like, oh yeah, we did that last week. I can do that. Uh, here we go. And so I pitched a couple of ideas and the one that they liked was a, a history of women in film book. Now, when we first talked about you writing a book, it was going to be fiction, but in the years uh, that went from our first conversation to where you are now, you have done not one, but two TED Talks yeah. about women in film. Do you think that that had a lot to do with why you wanted to focus on non-fiction? Yeah, I mean, non-fiction is something that's easier for me being a journalist and the places I've been published before, I've been film magazines in Australia and uh, websites here. So I, that was kind of a familiar domain to me and doing the TEDx talks, you know, I did a lot of research into the statistics around women in film and it was something that I wanted to share 
And so, and it was something that the publishers had seen as well. So they saw it and they said, that's probably why we want to talk to you about women in film. And then I was thinking about it and I was thinking, you know, all the film books I've read, I hardly ever hear about the great women working in Hollywood. It's always about the great men. And I think that perpetuates that feeling that film is primarily a man's world and it's a boys club and it always has been, so it always will be. And I came across a little fact in one of the books I was reading that said that at the start of American cinema, there were more opportunities for women working in film than there are today. And I was like, what? How did that happen? Before women could even vote, they had more opportunities to be a director. That seems crazy. So that led me down the path to really wanting to tell stories about women in film and starting from the very, very beginning of cinema. Uh, one of the things, this is what your book and what you do a lot of the time, which is so fantastic, she drops these little factual nuggets where you're like, whoa, but it's done in such a way that all we want to do is tell people, did you know the reason why an audio boom exists is because it was a woman's idea? Like, how cool is that? Well, one of the things that you said to me is like, I want to write um, a book about the history of women in film and how it has been male-dominated for so long. Because have you ever wondered about the word history? Yes. It's his story. I was like, oh. yeah. <laughs> it's not her story, is it? Yeah. <laughs> but her story sounds like a venereal disease. Yeah. <laughs> Take it once. Only recommended by a doctor. So this was a book that you wanted to get into. Um, how did it all come about? You had the emails with a, a publishing team. Yeah. And they were like, right, you've been approved, go. Yeah. There was like, a, suddenly there was a book deal. We went back and forth on, on the various contract stuff about that. And it was just so quick that it was at the end of last year that they said, okay, cool, uh, you're approved, here's the book deal, we went back forth, sign it, and then they said, okay, uh, so the book is going to be in stores August 2017. And I was like, oh, that seems like a long time away. I mean, it's like eight months down the track. And then I had another meeting with them over Skype where they said, well, actually, you know, it takes this long for it to be printed, it takes this long for it to be designed, how naive I was, and then this long for it to be copy edited. So actually we need it in four months. And usually when you write a book, you know, people will have it already and then pitch it out to publishers. So I was starting from scratch and even though I had knowledge on the subject, I was researching and writing at the same time. So that was when, you know, and you pointed out in my acknowledgements for my book, I thank my friends for being really patient as I disappeared from their lives for like four months. Mm -hmm. And I thank my work colleagues for letting me take time off to write it because it got to the point where I was like, I just need to really buckle down and write. It took took a lot out of me. There was a time when I messaged you going, I'm not going to make it. Yeah. Oh, even if I work all nighters, how is this going to happen? Said, I need to do in two weeks what would take me uh, four months. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, okay, Red Bull, coffee, let's do this. And then I just poured everything into it and somehow it, it all happened. So it you had four months to write this entire book. How long would you have wanted <laughs> to write it? Like two years. <laughs> Right. Yeah, because of the fact that I was researching and writing at the same time. So the first draft, I almost couldn't see the forest for the trees. So I was reading all these books. I was reading up to six books at a time, trying to research, trying to stay on top of things, and then writing. And so it wasn't until I got to the end of the first draft that I was like, oh, now I see a much better way to write this. This is so boring the way I've written it. It's just a series of facts. So then I thought, okay, the most interesting thing is the stories and I'll go back and just try and tell these specific stories and not try and tell everything, just try and pick out a couple of key stories from every era that specifically highlights 
an accomplishment by a woman in film or something, an obstacle that they were up against. So breaking it up into decades, how did you find that writing? Was that easier because you had more of a linear direction? Yeah, it was easier to stick to that structure, but it was hard to choose which stories to tell. And there's still stories that I'd love to have told in there, and I'm sure people will get the book and be like, what about this person? I'm like, I know. But I tried to do a big cross-section of women and also focus on behind-the-scenes women as well as in front of the camera women. And for the present-day section, I really wanted to do a bunch of interviews, and that's where my good friends Scott Mance over there and another one of my friends, Nah, really helped me to get these interviews because I wanted some influential names of men and women working in film but it was it's really hard pitch to be like can you do this for my book uh, so they really put their reputation on the line to vouch for me and, and get me these interviews with some amazing people like Eva DuVernay and Gina Davis and then people behind the camera, Rachel Morrison, who's a cinematographer, Nicole Perlman, who's a writer, and Joy McMillan, an editor. So all these different women that I wanted to highlight. I think the difference between you and a lot of other people writing, though, when you want to interview someone for your book, yes, as a, from an author point of view, but you happen to interview people for a living. So you've got like the skill set to be able to get a really good interview as well. That was such a treat to get to talk to people specifically for the book. Because usually when I interview people and, and my colleagues know what I'm talking about, it's uh, you've got so many things that you have to get, right? You've got to get this about the movie and this about and thinking about what your outlet wants. This time it was like, I could ask anything. What do I want to know? And I often only had 20 minutes on the phone. I mean, these people are so busy. They couldn't give me a whole lot of time or sometimes email interviews. But it was really great to be able to ask any question I wanted. Uh, let's talk about the title of the book. It's called Backwards and in Heels. And when you say underneath a uh, history of women in film, how do the two relate together? And tell me how you came up with the title. That title is from a quote that I've always loved about Ginger Rogers, which said that she did everything Fred Astaire did, but backwards and in heels. And that to me was always such a great metaphor. It paints, it paints a great picture as well, but it's a great metaphor for women in film that they have been there by the sides of great men and they have done amazing things. They just had slightly more obstacles to do it. So that was the first title I thought of and it was something I just put on that pitch that I gave to the publishers and they said straight away, we love the title. So I was like, okay, good, good. Cause that, that just made, just set me on this path of like, okay, this is exactly what I want to say about the history of women in film. So uh, I want everyone to be really honest for a second here. Hands up if you actually know who Ginger Rogers is. Yeah, see, lots of people. Lots <laughs> learning. So here's the fun thing. Uh, Alicia and I are both, we both interview celebrities, we both do the junkets, except we are the yin and yang. So she loves classic movies, you know, all the, all the black and white films, uh, those movies. I like Star Wars, I like nerdy books, and I have been in the male-dominated space and been like, this is what it's supposed to be. Um, but this book is not only for the people that love and cherish your interests uh, and want to fight for women in film, but also the people that are new to film and don't really understand all of these stories, or all the people. <laughs> yeah, now that's exactly what I wanted, because all the film books I've read, there's some brilliant books out there, and um, some very you know, insightful books written by professors. And when I was writing the book, I was like, who am I to write about this stuff? I'm not nearly as good as these books I'm reading. But then a lot of those books are very academic and they do feel like textbooks. So that was the one thing that I really wanted to do was for if, if people know nothing about film and they're just curious about 
women in film, or maybe people know a lot about it, to try to tell brief, interesting stories that don't feel like textbooks at all, that just feel like a fun, breezy read. So it's not a comprehensive guide, it's not something that I want to be studied in film schools, but it's really, hopefully, just a great introduction and overview to the history of women in film. And then from there, you can go and find out more and hopefully watch some of these movies. Uh, yeah, it's funny with you and I, it's always like, it put us together and we have so much knowledge. I've, so many times when I've been on shows and they're like, so tell me about, you know, Thought, and I'm like, oh, I'm always like, oh, if I could just tap in more at that point, yeah. that would be great. But I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm learning a lot here. But I want to know from you, doing all this research uh, and understanding how much has happened over the last century, what is your favourite story? What is something that you didn't know that you found out? Yeah, I learned so much writing this, you know, both in writing in general and writing a book as well as writing about women and, and all these stories that I came across. There were so many that I didn't know and so much about American cinema that I didn't know. So some of my favourites happened at the, the earliest times in cinema, like Alice Guy Blachey, who's the first female filmmaker in the world and also one of the first filmmakers in general in the world and she created one of the first narrative films just by wanting to play with the new motion picture camera that was invented. Uh, I also love Lois Weber who during the teens she was one of the biggest hits at the box office and she spoke about films that had very interesting social issues like she made a movie about abortion and it was the highest grossing film in 1916 well that's interesting and then there's a great woman called Helen Holmes who is a serial movie star so these serials that would play before the silent films and uh, there was a lot of women who were the heroes of these stories her series was called The Hazards of Helen, and she was a telegram operator in a rail railroad, a railway station, and she fought crime on the side, you know, and so then she also wrote the scripts, she did most of the stunts herself, and some really tricky stunts, like jumping off a moving horse onto a moving train. Uh, she would do live stunts in front of crowds, and she would often complain that the male screenwriters wouldn't write her dangerous enough stunts, <laughs> so she was like, I have to write them myself. And her and her husband had a production company, they're also directors. So people like that I think were really inspiring. And then also people like uh, in the 1980s, there was a, a group of women, six directors, who joined with the Directors Guild of America to try to take the studios to court against for gender discrimination. I never knew about them, but they're called the original six. So these six women who put their careers on the line to try to get something done in court, and unfortunately, they didn't work successful because of a technicality, which is heartbreaking, but they paved the way for the future filmmakers and film writers and, and film directors. And, and the thing was, when I was writing this book for a while there, I was worried that the, the end of it was just gonna be all caps and just yelling, being really angry. <laughs> because you see history repeating itself so many times, especially for women of color who have to come up against you know stereotypes and stuff that still happens today. And so it gets frustrating or, Things like Thelma and Louise, which at the time everyone thought was going to change cinema because now you have a successful movie with two female stars and then nothing happened. But I found so much hope and so much optimism with the people I interviewed 
these people that are working in Hollywood and working very hard to change things from the inside. So that gave me a lot of hope and now, now it's like, I, I can end being optimistic. <laughs> well, you have written a book, well done. You wrote it, you wrote the whole thing. Um, no, it's so weird to see it, then see it back there. I was like, oh my God, it's an actual thing, sexual book. Everyone got a copy, hold it up if you can. Look at it. So I know, and thanks to everyone who's sending me photos of themselves with the book. It's just so bizarre to see it out there. It's surreal in the best way. But I want to know how, now that you have written a book, because this is your first foray, and it's very, very different from what you've uh, usually done, what did you learn about writing a book, and what do you wish was a bit different now that you know? If you do it next time, what are the things that you would want? I, I was really surprised at how on your own you really are, and I've spoken to other authors about this too, where you expect at some point you're going to get notes from someone saying, this, try this structure or this structure. Really, they just send you some typos and they go, great. And you're like, oh, oh no, what? <laughs> and so I was very much by myself. So I panicked and I, I hired my writing teacher to look over things. Your mum looked over things for me because she's a great writer. Shout out to Yeah, you looked over stuff. I sent stuff to a lot of people who are here today uh, to give me notes and feedback. It is a very solitary exercise. So the thing that's that I learnt was that you really do have to reach out to other people and get lots of advice. And particularly when it came to telling stories about women of colour, I was like, I can't presume as a white Australian that I know what that experience is like. So try to seek out lots of different views from all different backgrounds, different experts and historians, and really try to get a well-rounded view as well as I can, and then tell the facts. So it is very like a straightforward telling of, of a, a story. And I think my next book, if I do one, it's one of those things that after you do one, you're like, never again. Yeah. Oh, Lord. And then after a while, you're like, well, maybe. It's maybe like, I can do another one. It's like when you get tattoos. Yes, exactly. How many have you got? Twelve. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think next time having more time to write it and also maybe uh, I'd love to write something more creative in, in a different way. But I am just excited that it's here and it's the kind of book that I think just deserves to exist in the world. I want to talk about, uh, while we wrap this up, because we are going to do a signing and a Q&A as well. So if you do have a question for Alicia, think of it and we could be asking it. Um, but funnily enough, writing a book about um, women in film and wanting to support that and wanting to be very pro-feminism, you reached out to fellow female authors that were experts in the field and ironically enough, they weren't actually that supportive. Do you want to lift the veil on that? Yeah, that's something that surprised me and um, because I have so much self-doubt in writing my first book and I was doing a lot alone, uh, you know, I came up against that like, I, I'm not good enough to do this, who am I to write a book? Became Malisha alone. <laughs> yeah, Malisha Malone, yeah. I'm always Malone, but never Maloney. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so I would reach out to some female authors and people that I really admired and people that I would be reading books. And yeah, some of these women, they changed the course of, of film theory by coming up with these great feminist uh, works, you know, like these great things that really did challenge people's thinking in the 70s and onwards. And um, I would get quite a lot of like, who are you to tell this story? Um, yeah, this is not the first time this has been told. Uh, you're not the first person to tell the story. And I was like, I know that, I know. I'm, I'm not trying to be. 
Um, and they're like, this is very straightforward, you know, what are you trying to say? And I was like, oh, that's it, but that's what I wanted to do was to share the book with people that don't know that much about film and, and try to tell just a simple, straightforward story. So that surprised me. And, and then a couple, one I pushed back on and I was like, well, I'm not trying to be you. Like, I, you're up there, you're untouchable and stuff that you did is amazing. I'm not trying to be that. I'm just trying to use the platform that I have and use my voice as best as I can. And I feel like every little voice is like a strand and together you form a thick rope. So it's like we could work together and then they wrote back and like, I'm sorry, you're right, that was very snobby of me and I support you in this. But I think there was that feeling and, and I think it happens a lot with women, the kind of the competition that forms and the, the idea that there's only so much for us. And I know, like I'm, I'm so grateful to get this opportunity to write a book and I know it comes from being on popular online shows and having a platform, you know, I'm under no, you know, thing that's like only my writing talent. It comes from that. And, uh, but that's fine, you know, at least I'm using my platform for more than Instagram likes. Exactly. And I think the more people talk about it, the, what is the worst thing that can happen? It means that, you know, we're emulating more voices and I feel like if one person thinks it, then five people will connect talk out about it as well and then increase that with the book uh, obviously there's just as many guys here as there are women is that kind of yeah, good that's uh, so cool i know thank you all for your support and seeing all the pictures on instagram has meant the world and, and on twitter people that you know i don't know people that i do know sending me pictures of them in the book and and i did write it for for everyone not just for women now how are we going for time because i just want to see if uh, we should yeah we've got a little time for about five minutes ten minutes for q and a q and a yeah. all right we've got question. questions happening already yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what this is a small room do you want the microphone or do you want to shut up <laughs> i think i'll find out you, you direct but um uh, <laughs> stretches <laughs> so i'm um, could, I've forgotten who the original six were, and also, what are your favorite stories that got left out? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I really wanted to put in a story about Judy Garland, because she was not only so iconic, but I think she stands for a lot of what happened during that time, where she was a child actor, and she uh, was given pep pills at a young age, and just forced to to uh, just keep going. It's a pet pill. It's basically amphetamines to keep you going through long shoot days. And this was because she was a child star and they wanted to shoot for a long time. Um, she, you know, had struggles herself and there was a really sad moment. This is why I didn't want to include it in the book because it was just made, made me so sad, but I kind of wish that I did, was that uh, she actually tried to commit suicide and she was in hospital and they pulled her out of hospital to perform. And then she asked for a mirror to look at her makeup and she smashed the mirror and tried to cut her face so she could go back to hospital. It was so sad, but of course she's such a great icon, she was so creative, such a beautiful voice and beautiful actress that she ended up being just this great person that continues. I also wanted to talk about women film critics because that's another area of film industry that is very heavily weighted in the male direction. So I wanted to talk about that, I ran out of time for that. And the original six, yeah, there were six different female filmmakers who decided for the first time to do some research into the gender discrimination for directors. So they actually did the first ever summit which looked at uh, the percentage of female directors in film and television and they joined up with the Directors Guild of America to do it. And then the reason why they lost their case was 
because the studios argued that the Directors Guild were just as much as at fault as the studios. They said, well, you guys have a, a place in hiring as well, so you guys can't take us to court because, you know, you also suggest a, a first AD and then you suggest another assistant director and it goes down the line. So that's why they lost on that technicality. He's always pointing fingers at someone else. Yeah. To deflect blame. Well, yeah. Okay. Cool. Does anyone else have a question? Yes, Tyler at the back. Hi, Tyler. I have a question. Um, you touched on this a little bit, but if you can go into more deep detail, what was like a specific fear or insecurity you had going into writing? Yeah. And what did you do to overcome that? Yes. Um, Fear and insecurity, I had many. <laughs> so uh, writing's always been something that I haven't told that many people about. I've always always done, always written in a little journal. I've always done writing courses. Uh, the reason why I decided, decided to move to LA was after I did a writing course in, in Paris. And that led me to believe like, oh, I can move to LA and I can make my dreams come true. So I've always written, I've never told many people about it. Uh, I've just always, I don't know, it's so hard to say I'm a writer or I can be an author. I think it takes a lot uh, to say that. And um, like I was talking with my friend Chad over there, how writers, he was saying, I think it's so true, are some of the most humble people that you know because it is such a hard exercise by yourself, you know, putting your heart and soul into this thing and to even stand up and say, I want to be a writer is a big thing. So I went through a whole gamut of emotions and I think a lot of writers do, where you're like, this is great, this is amazing, I'm, I'm so good, everyone's going to love this, this is terrible, burn it with fire, I should never write again, what am I doing, oh my god! And then the cycle continues and the thing that kept me going was the deadlines, honestly. If I was doing it for myself, I probably would have stopped, you know, and I think that happens to a lot of people that you come up, up to the, yourself, you hit this wall and you think, I can't do this, I should just give up. And luckily for me, I had a publisher saying, well, it's going to come out in August, so you've got to get it to us. So I would do that and also talk to friends and send it out to friends and friends would be like, no, this is actually interesting. And friends who know nothing about film, like, I, lo I love this. I'm like, okay, good, on the right track. If you haven't read any yet, I do want to say what you, you can expect. And Alicia's storytelling and the way that she writes does it in such a palatable way where you just absorb all the information, you get lost in the fact that you're even reading and you retain this information and this story with such clarity because it was so well spoken and well told as a story that even like if you've read hundreds of pages you can recollect like every single moment in it with such fascination. Uh, yeah, I'm just dropping facts now. <laughs> Did you know? Yeah, you're like, wow, Maud, you're so smart. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, what I, that's what I want, and it's great from people who have already read stuff saying, I never knew this, and I'm like, yay. Yeah, that's what that's I want. Great. Have we got another question? Yes, Robin. Okay, um, through your research, what was the one thing that surprised you most? Did you know? Yeah, one thing that surprised me during my research. Uh, so, so many things, I think, that original fact saying that there were more opportunities for women at the start of cinema to the end, that was a big thing that I came across. And um, also just the way that it, history has had these ebbs and flows. I think at the moment there's so much conversation about women in film, which is great because 
it's, uh, I think this momentum will continue and it'll actually turn into action. But it does make you realize that this is a long battle that's been fought for so long and um, it has just been like peaks where everyone's like, oh, it's, everything's changed now and then back down, drop down to, oh, this is a problem. Um, and I think that really surprised me to put it all together and then to see quite definitely, you know, where say before the 20s there were so many people working, so many women working in film and then once the Great Depression hit and, you know, it became a business enterprise and the men came in, the women were pushed out and then how it wasn't till the 1950s that there was another female filmmaker and then there was nothing till the 70s and then slowly in the 80s and 90s and now as we're starting to get more and more. So yeah, history repeating itself really surprised me. Uh, also the timing of it as well. I feel like now more than ever is the most relevant time to be talking about female directors, female content, female like strong female characters. Do you, like we've spoken about this, where you're not a fan of superhero movies per se, but Wonder Woman with Patty Jenkins, yes. when that did well, you were just like, yes, this means that my platform has just gotten that much bigger and it became even more important to talk about this. Exactly. I mean, suddenly there was the interest, there was the the new stories and I was getting calls asking to talk about, you know, women in film because it did so well. But, you know, once again, it's like, well, that also happened when Thelma Louise came out, when Believe Their Own came out. It's happened before and every time a female-directed movie does well, it's like a fresh surprise. It's like, what? That can work? And you're like, yeah, don't forget it. Please, just let's have more. But I loved Wonder Woman because it didn't sexualize her. It made her really strong. And even though it followed the same formulaic plot for, for much of it, I think it shows what I, what I really want to see, which is a variety of people telling a variety of stories. Or if it's the same stories, then a variety of people telling them because you could tell it was something different by having a woman behind the lens. It's also an interesting story to look at in terms of Patty Jenkins because she did, you know, Monster, which gave Charlize Theron her first Academy Award, and then it took her 14 years to get a second feature film. And I think that encapsulates so much of what I talk about in the book, that women can get to a certain level, but it's still such a struggle to keep going, especially for female filmmakers, to continue their career. And, um, and I think more talking about it really does help. And for a while there, I was like, do we need to keep talking about this? because it seemed like a lot of conversation and no action, but I think it all comes together in the end and it will force people into action. Fantastic. Any more questions? Oh, we've got plenty. Yes, we'll go Shannon. Um, is, is there anyone, any famous or really well-known women that we would be surprised about um, that were like, kind of undercover feminists or doing anything that was really quite long? Or... Yeah. Yeah, I love, uh, I love the story of Mae West because I think so many people were very quick to judge her as being just a, a, like all about sex, and but she was so witty. In this decade, for people that don't in know. In the 30s, in the 1930s. Yeah, yeah. So she actually was a playwright, and she came up with a lot of great uh, plays. One was provocatively titled Sex. That's what it was called, 1926 it was called Sex. And she wanted that title so that people would talk about it. 
and it was actually a very smart look at how you know people deal with sex, how people don't talk about sex, how people think it's a dirty thing even though it's quite natural and to have a woman out there talking about sex at that time it was seen as very crude and she got arrested a couple of times for her plays uh, and all her cast got taken to prison and then at one point she got out of prison and she sold her story for a thousand dollars and she used that thousand dollars to set up a a um, special library for at the female prison called the May West Memorial Library so that the women there could read and learn more about writing and so she was a, quite a feminist unfortunately in the end her her stories in Hollywood then got squashed by the production code that came in and enforced a lot of things about decency so her creativeness was stamped down and she ended up being sort of a pale imitation of what she was before but I love I love her chutzpah and there was a great line in court where they said oh was it oh where the judge said um, are you trying to be in contempt of the court and she's like yeah, I'm trying very hard not to be, and she's just so cool. She's like, I am in contempt, absolutely. I'm, I don't believe in this whole thing. And she was really cool. Sassy. Love it. Okay. Another question? Yes, at the back. Um, what's your outlook going forward? And, and, what, and you know, what do you think is needed to make that more positive? Yeah, I, I thought about this a lot when I was writing and talking to people, doing the interviews for people that are trying different things in Hollywood. There's um, the Sundance Institute and Women in Film are trying a, an initiative called Reframe where they send out ambassadors for people working in Hollywood to go to talk to the studios and talk about how they could possibly make their films more inclusive. I think it will take uh, something big and one of the stories I talk about in the book is Maria Geis who is a female filmmaker inspired by the original Six from the 1980s. She decided to do the same thing and take the studios to court, but she went to the ACLU and they looked into stories. They had um, female filmmakers come and do a bunch of interviews to talk about these specific types of gender discrimination because it's not an easy way to prove. It's hard to prove gender discrimination in Hollywood because there's so many different ways of hiring directors and it's more a bias than anyone particularly being like, I don't want women. It'd be easy if it was just one person being like, no women. But no, it's, it's just like a, a feeling that women can't direct films as, as well as men. So she went to the ACLU, they got enough evidence to approach the EEOC, which is the Equal Employment Opportunities Commission, who don't talk about their cases, but they apparently have discovered enough evidence to charge each of the studios with this gender discrimination. So I think something like that will really change things where there's a monetary cost, there's a fine, maybe there's a, some kind of quota put in place that they have to actually reach to make things more equal. But because it's so wishy-washy with bias, it will take something that structured and something big like that to actually make things happen. But I am, I am very optimistic about it because I think there's so much momentum now that even though before it's happened where there's been momentum and fell back, now there's just a level of conversation that I don't think they can be ignored. People will call them out really quickly. 
It's a different time now. Um, I want to end this Q&A with one final question, and that is obviously with all your research, the amount of people that you have interviewed, the amount of women that have been in film throughout the decades, who are your top three favourites? Complete bias in play here, whether <laughs> an actress or a director. Who are your three most inspirational women and why? Yeah, Ava DuVernay is my number one, and I spoke to her for the book, and after I spoke to her, I felt like I could take on the world. She's just so inspiring, she says it like it is, and she is someone that not only has done incredible things for herself by, you know, setting uh, records, like the, the first female filmmaker of colour to go past the $100 million budget for her next film, A Wrinkle in Time, and but the thing that I love about her is that she's created a place for more female filmmakers. So with her series Queen Sugar on the uh, the own network on Oprah's network, she said, "I want to hire female filmmakers only for this." And I said to her in the interview, "It must have been pretty easy to find because there's so many out of work female filmmakers who are ready and waiting." She was like, "Absolutely." I called them up. They're like, "I'm there." And so she's helped to create more jobs for women, which is amazing. Number two, Gina Davis. She's been an icon of mine for a long time. I got to talk to her for the book. And she's someone that has used her celebrity in such a powerful way. She set up a Gender Diversity Institute, where she does a lot of research, particularly in children's entertainment. And their whole motto is, if she can see it, she can be it. So if a young girl is watching children's entertainment doesn't see herself as a hero, then she might not believe she can be. So she's made so much difference. And then the third one is someone I didn't get to talk to for the book, but I just love, is Jessica Chastain. Yeah. Because I think she has incredible talent. She chooses such amazing roles, but she is also someone who stands up for what she believes in. If you saw her at Cannes talking about the representation of women in those movies, she was so moved and she was really powerful and she's elegant in the way she speaks. Very classy. I love her. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to thank you, signing. Mom. There's so many people with a lot of books, so let's get this cracking. Thank you. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.